Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. This week, I'm bringing you a talk that I did at Sutz Youth Camp in Melbourne in January 2021. I'm sharing it now because this is a series of talks about the stupid stuff Jesus' disciples did, and I just released a book all about the same thing. It's called A Dozen Disappointing Disciples, How to Do Stupid Stuff and Still Change the World. If you like the talk, you'll like the book. Just head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash disciples to check it out and even get a free sample. All right, that's all for now. I hope you enjoy the talk. I wonder if you have had a time in your life, you've had something coming up and you're like, I know there's a moment coming where I could do something which I don't want to do. And I'm determined not to do that. And so you've got it set in your mind, this determination not to fall in a trap that you see in front of you. Well, I had one of these moments when I had a a car, I just bought a new car and I had an old work car and I was giving my old work car to a colleague and then I was going to start driving my new car that I just bought, which was a new second-hand car. And so when I was giving my old work car to my work colleague, I wanted to get it washed so that she could have a nice car to drive and she would enjoy the, the clean car. So I drove up to the car wash and I know that at car washes, they try and sell you, they try and upsell you on a better car wash. You probably don't spend a lot of time taking your cars to be washed. So when you hear me talk about this, just remember, this is some good life advice from Tom, that I have to be prepared for car washes in the future. And so as I was driving out to the car wash, I was like, Tom, all you want is a wash and a vacuum, just a wash and a vacuum. And then I drive up in my car and I put down the, uh, the window and then the car wash attendant comes up and it turns out she's an attractive woman. And I was a single man at that time. And so I was like, just a wash and a vacuum. And she's like, hello. I was like, hi. She's like, what can I get you? I was like, just a wash and a vacuum. She's like, okay, that's $40. I'm like, I've done it. She's like, hold on, have you ever got your car waxed? I was like, no, why? She's like, oh, getting your car waxed is very good. It looks shiny and nice and it protects the car. And, she, and she's like, would you like your car waxed? And I was like, no. She's like, are you sure? Normally it's $180. I'm like, $180, that's a lot. She's like, yes, it is, but I'll do it for 100 That's an $80 savings. I'm like, oh, $80, that's a good savings. All right, fine. I'll get the wax. And she's like, great. I'll just get the wax though for $100. Okay, yep. And then she goes, oh, have you ever had your, sheet, your, your seats shampooed? I was like, no. She's like, oh, you should get your, sheets, your, your seats shampooed. And I said, why? She's like, well, they're probably dirty. And I was like, oh, yeah. I fart in this car regularly. And then my colleague might sit and they'll all come out and then she'll die and I'll feel terrible. And then like, she's like, seat shampooing is, is normally $200. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. And she's like, yes, it's a lot of money, but I'll give it to you for just 150 I was like, oh, that's a good deal. 
Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then she's looking at my car, and then she's like, have you got paint protection? I was like, what's paint protection? She's like, well, it means that the car is protected, the paint. And then the, the, if there's dirt that falls on the car, it just comes off. And then if a bird is flying over and looks at your car and thinks I might poop on that car, because oh, it's paint protector, it'll go and poo on the other car. And then if it does, if, if for any reason the poo does land on your car, it just bounces straight off. Like, oh, that sounds amazing. And she's like, yes, it is. She's like, normally, that would be $450. I'm like, that's too much money. She's like, yes, it is. I'll give it to you with wheel blackening and all the other detailing and a free air freshener for just $300. I was like, wow, that's a $150 savings. She's like, yes, it is. I was like, I'll take it. And she's like, great. And I'm like, yes, I just got $450 worth of value for car wash for just $300. This is great. And she was like, leave your car with us and we'll let you know when it's done. I was like, all right. And I gave her, gave her the keys and I walked away. And I was walking away. I was like, no, Tom, you just spent $300 on a car wash. You could have spent $40. You are an idiot. I felt so dumb. And then I went and picked up my other car because I needed to get it washed. And then I was driving it into the car wash and I'm like, just a wash and a vacuum. Just a wash and a vacuum. And then along comes the attractive car wash attendant. Hello. I remember you. And I was like, yes, just a wash and a vacuum, please. She's like, I gave you a good deal. And it's like, yes. She's like, do you want it again? It's $450 worth of value for just $300. I was like, that's a good deal, I'll take it. And then I handed over the next car to get washed and I spent $600 in one day on two car washes. That has got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever done, but the cars were very clean. So that was nice. I felt so dumb. And then my friends heard about it and then laughed at me for years. In fact, I told my wife, my wife I was going to tell you tonight and she was like, ah, you spent $600 on a car wash. Oh dear. I fell into that trap. I was so sure I wouldn't, but I fell into it anyway. Now, Peter is in this sticky situation that we're going to read about tonight, which is a lot worse than spending $600 on a car wash. What happens is, it's the night before Jesus is going to be killed, and he's going to be arrested. But before all this happens, uh, Peter and the disciples are with Jesus, and they're having the Last Supper, as uh, you probably have heard about. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says to them, you will all fall away. This is Mark chapter 14, I'm starting from verse 27. You'll all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter, who sees that, that this is a trap that is before him, that he could fall into, is determined not to fall into it. And he says, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. And Peter is sure that he is not going to disown Jesus. He's sure that he's not going to let Jesus down. And all the other disciples are like, yeah, 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 we definitely will not abandon you, Jesus. We will stick with you. And then after that, they head off and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which you can see a little bit lower down. And as they go into the garden, uh, Jesus says to them from verse 34, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watched. 
And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that it might be possible for the hour to pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. The disciples who promised to stick with Jesus to the very end, Peter, who said he would die with Jesus, can't even stay awake with Jesus. And I wonder if you know what that feeling is like. At very least, you probably know what it's like to go into a prayer time and come out with a nap time. It happens to me very regularly. I sit, sit down for my Bible and prayer and I get Bible and nap. In fact, there was a point in my life when I was working for a Christian organization where we'd pray together every day in the morning where I was so sure that I was going to fall asleep that every morning I sat down on a chair with armrests and then I put my arm on the armrest and then I put my chin on there and then I closed my eyes, which would stop me from doing those ones, you know, when you fall asleep, when you... And then you dribble, and then so you've got your face there, and then you're, you're solid. And then, then you just make sure that you pray early, and then you can sleep through the rest of the prayer time. And then you've got to make sure you just don't sleep through the amen at the end, otherwise, everyone knows that you're asleep. So I'm very, I, am, I know exactly what it's like to be falling asleep in my prayer time. Though I might want to be awake, but I'm going to fall asleep anyway. And so this is what's going on for the disciples, but it's not just any old prayer time. Jesus is in anguish here, he's about to go and die. And his disciples cannot stay awake with him. And you're going to go home from Sutz. And you're probably, some of you are going to be really excited. You're going to be so passionate about following Jesus. And then something's going to happen. You're going to have a fight with your parents. Or you're going to, you're going to go back to that sin that you said you weren't going to go back to. You're going to drop off on your Bible reading. You're going to fall in with that group of friends that you thought you wouldn't. And you're going to feel terrible about it. You're going to feel like you've let Jesus down. And so we keep going with the story of Peter because I know that you know what it's going to be like for Peter because I know what it's going to be like for Peter. So Jesus is arrested and Peter, uh, it tells us uh, that Peter... Oh, this is from verse uh, 46. It says, The men seize Jesus and arrest him. Then one of those standing near, we find out another uh, part of the Bible, that's Peter, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Here's Peter, who's meant to be the head of the church, cutting off people's ears. Like if your pastor was cutting off people's ears, you might be like, I don't know if you should be leading a church. Well, here's the guy who's meant to be the foundation of the church, the rock on which the church is built by, and he's just getting a little bit sword happy. Has Jesus picked the right guy? And then we goes on to say this, and this is important from verse 51. Uh, sorry, from verse 50, it says, Then all deserted him and fled. All of Jesus' disciples left him. And a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. That's not that important to the talk. I just wanted you to hear the Bible streaker. It says, Then... Jesus, they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law came together. And Jesus is put on trial before uh, this fake court. Uh, it was, they were meant to meet during the day, but they're meeting in the middle of the night. And they, they level all these accusations against Jesus, but none of them stick. But eventually, uh, they ask Jesus uh, about himself. And it says this uh, from verse 61, Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. 
And again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? Jesus is put on trial in the sham trial, and they cannot convict him, but it is Jesus' words that gets him convicted of death, convicted of blasphemy. No one takes Jesus' life from him. He lays it down willingly. When he is in front of the most powerful people in his nation, Jesus is still in control. But Peter has followed Jesus a distance, and Peter is in the courtyard. And it tells us that Peter has his own trial, not before the most powerful people in the land, but before some of the weakest people. It says from verse 66, and this is what we heard read. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you are talking about, he said, and went away into the entryway. So here comes this young girl, and the servant girl... Uh, she was probably around the age of about 12 or 13 years old. So she's very young. And so uh, here is Peter who is talking to one of the least powerful people in his society. And I'm not saying it's right, but in the way that his society worked, women did not have a lot of power. And servants did not have a lot of power. And, and young people did not have a lot of power. So Peter is talking to one of the least powerful people he could. And he's terrified. He's terrified of being known that he is with Jesus. And here's the same man who is brave enough to take on a bunch of armed people who are arresting Jesus, brave enough to chop off an ear. And now, before this young girl, uh, he is afraid to, to say that he is with Jesus. And it says, as we go on, that he continues to deny it. The servant girl saw him and said to him again, to those standing around, this fellow was one of them, and again he denied it. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man, this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crowed twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Peter calls down curses, and when he calls down curses to, to deny the fact that he is with Jesus, these curses, they could be that he's calling down curses on himself, saying, I don't know Jesus, and if I did, may God strike me dead. But it could be that he's, also, he's calling down curses on Jesus. Man, I don't know Jesus, but what I do know about him is that he's a terrible person, and I hope God... God destroys him for what he has done to this nation. I don't know. But either way, he's completely turned his back on his master, who just a few hours before he said he would die for. And then when he is confronted with his sin, he weeps. And maybe you know what that's like. To have let Jesus down. To have said you're not going to do something and then you do it anyway feel confronted with your sin and to weep. Maybe you know what that feels like. 
And maybe you worry about how Jesus responds to you. Especially if it's not the first time, and it's not the second time, maybe it's the third time, or fourth, or fifth, or sixth. How does Jesus feel about you? Well, we see, as the story continues, we see how Jesus responds to Peter. And so if you want to turn a few pages on uh, to Mark chapter 16, after Jesus is killed, it tells us that some of the women go to the tomb to find Jesus' body so that they can uh, anoint his body to, so it is ready for burial. But when they get there, they find that there is no body there, but at the tomb, instead, uh, there is someone, uh, a, man, a young man dressed in a white robe, this is verse 5, sitting on the right side. And the women, they are alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus has a message for Peter. I'm going to Galilee. Find me there. Jesus hasn't forgotten Peter. Jesus hasn't ignored Peter. And he hasn't turned his back on Peter. He says, I'm going to Galilee, find me there. And we get to read the story of what happens in Galilee. So turn your Bibles now to John chapter 20. No, John chapter 21. We're in John chapter 20 last night, so you might be familiar with where it is in your Bible. As you get there, I'll tell you what's going on. So they go to the Sea of Galilee, the same place where Jesus called the disciples to himself the first time, when they first met. Uh, he's, he has gone back there to see them. And so they're there, and Peter and some of the other disciples decide to go fishing, and they spend the night fishing, but they don't catch anything. And so in the morning, Jesus comes down to the lake, and they don't recognize him, and he calls out to them in verse 5, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So they're like, they put down the net, they pull in all these fish, and they're like, we've seen this trick before. This is what Jesus did last time. Like, it must be Jesus. And so John, probably, the disciple who Jesus loved, turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord. And then it tells us that Peter is so excited that he puts on his cloak and then he dives into the water and then he swims to the shore to see Jesus, which is very strange. I don't know why you get dressed to go swimming, but that's what Peter does. In fact, the Bible tells us that when they were uh, fishing, that they were, the word for, for how they are dressed is that they are naked. So they were doing nude fishing and then he got dressed, which, you know, might be why he got dressed. But he gets dressed, gets his cloak and then he swims and then the disciples, you know, they stay in the boat and they go along. And what I really wish happened in the Bible is that Peter is swimming towards the shore and the disciples are coming along in the boat and then they just pass Peter. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. and then they pull up and then he gets out and is like, oh, it's very hard swimming in a cloak. That's not what happens. Actually, it turns out that he beat them because he's a very strong swimmer. He probably should have been on the Israelite swimming team, but he makes it in first. Or maybe it's just difficult to pull a boat full of fish with 153 fish in the net, by the way, because someone counted and put it in the Bible. And then they get there, and then Jesus is cooking them breakfast, which is very nice. Jesus, who 
who has died for them and risen again is still serving his disciples and making them meals. I suspect the relationship between Peter and Jesus might have been kind of awkward at that point. You know that awkwardness when you've had a fight with someone and then you see each other again and you're not sure if you're friends or not? I think there might have been that kind of awkwardness between Peter and Jesus. And so we see in verse 15, after they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus said. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, you when you were younger, you, were, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. <clears throat> but when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. What Jesus is doing here is he is reinstating Peter into his position of leadership. He is giving Peter a new opportunity to follow him. When Jesus had first called Peter to follow him by the Sea of Galilee, He's repeating the same ritual to say, Peter, you have not been rejected. Peter, you are, you, have not, you are not out of my love. Peter, you have not been kicked out of my plans for you. I still want you to lead my people. I still have a job for you to do. I still have a mission for you to go on. Will you feed my lambs? In the same way that Peter denied Jesus three times, three times, Jesus is inviting him back into his mission. Because Jesus has not rejected Peter. And if you are someone who feels like Peter, that you feel like you have stuffed things up, that you've ruined your relationship with Jesus, then Jesus wants you to know that he doesn't reject you either. That you have not been kicked out of his plan. That he still has a mission for you to do. You aren't just loved and you are loved. But you are loved and you are useful in the kingdom of God. You are loved and you are an important part of God's body because he has work for you to do. And in fact, the very thing that Peter needed was to know that he was a broken man who had been restored by a whole saviour who was going to use him in his brokenness to change the world. And that's where we're going to go next. So if you keep going your Bible to probably the very next page, in Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus goes up onto a mountain with the disciples. We talked about this uh, two nights ago. And he says to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. So he's promising them, the, the disciples, that they have a job to do and they're going to get the Holy Spirit to empower them to do it. And then if you head to Acts chapter 2, which is probably on the next page again. Could be on the next page in my Bible or maybe it doesn't exist. What is going on? 
Oh, I got it. Hey. This is like a very minor miracle happened on stage. Testify. All right. And so it tells us that all the disciples and the followers of Jesus, there's about 120 of them all gathered in one room and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come that Jesus promised. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, that's about 50 days after the Passover when Jesus died. And about 10 days after Jesus went to heaven, uh, they're all together in one place. Suddenly, this is from uh, chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit had enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So the promised Holy Spirit has come and filled God's people and they're out there and they're speaking in tongues. And you may have heard about the gifts of tongues, which people talk about as being a spiritual gift where you can speak in a heavenly language and that's a thing, but that is not this thing. This thing is where they're speaking in earthly languages. It's like if we... If something amazing happened and some of you started speaking Italian and some of you started speaking Chinese and some of you started speaking fluent emoji, everyone was speaking all the different languages and they're getting this, this not because it's a good party trick but because they've got a job to do. Because they're going to go out and they're going to start speaking in these languages to share the good news of what Jesus has done. And so they start going out and they're preaching about what happened to Jesus. And then along comes Peter, the same Peter who is terrified of a 13-year-old of a servant girl. The same Peter uh, who, was, uh, who denied Jesus. The same Peter who can't find the right words to say at the right time. The same Peter who always, always seems to be just getting it wrong. The same Peter who rebuked Jesus because he didn't understand God's plan. That Peter stands up in front of thousands of people and all of us are holding our breath to see what dumb thing is Peter going to do now. But now he has something different. Now he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him and he says this. This is from verse 14. He says, Fellow Jews and all of you who are living in Jerusalem, let me say this, listen carefully to you. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. We don't get drunk till 12. No, this is, no, that's not in the Bible. Sorry, I just, I just think it's a strange thing to say. Like, okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, what has been spoken, no, this is what has been spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see driven visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And he goes on to quote this, uh, this prophecy from the prophet Joel. And then he does this amazing sermon where he's preaching to these people in Jerusalem. And he goes on to say this in verse 36 at the very end. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The same Jesus who was terrified of a young girl now tells the whole crowd that the man that they crucified is Lord and Messiah. This is a huge change for Peter. And the reason why he has this change is because the Holy Spirit is living in him now and empowering him to live out God's mission. And all the people hear this 
And they, they're cut to the heart, and they say to Peter, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That is a huge change for Peter. And he went on to continue preaching. And thousands of people became Christians. And those disciples who did dumb things and were entirely unqualified to change the world, they went on and they preached the good news of Jesus and lives were changed. And those disciples, they preached to other people and those people went and told other people and they told other people and then there was thousands and then millions and now billions of people who are entirely unqualified to change the world who all have received the Holy Spirit. And all have the job of changing the world that they are in. And you are part of that too. If you feel like you are a dumb disciple of Jesus because you let him down all the time, if you feel like there's nothing that you can achieve, you are wrong. Because you might get things wrong, but you also have the same gift that Peter has. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. And he will empower you to live out God's mission wherever you are. He will empower you to be able to defeat sin in your life. Maybe not straight away, but he will empower you little by little, bit by bit, to become more like Jesus. He'll empower you to love your friends. He'll empower you to love your enemies. He will empower you to go and tell your friends about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here for you. And if you know and love Jesus, he lives in you and he is qualifying you to be a world changer. You might feel like Peter and the rest of the disciples. And so you should. Because those people went and changed the world and so can you. It might not be glamorous. It might hurt. It'll be tough. But it'll be good. Because you'll be on mission with Jesus, with the risen Jesus who changed the world and now empowers you to do that with him, with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to be unqualified disciples of Jesus changing your world? If you're not a Christian, then my challenge to you is this. There is a great mission for you in Jesus Christ. And he's inviting you to join him to find forgiveness of sins and life forever with him. To make this world a better place, loving God and loving others, will you join him? And if you are a Christian, my challenge to you is this. Will you entrust yourself to God and trust him that he will change your life through the Holy Spirit? And that even though you're going to get it wrong, You've got it wrong in the past. You'll get it wrong again in the future. The disciples were not perfect after this. That he is with you. And if you're willing to take those small steps of obedience, he will work through you. Are you willing to do that? Let's be unqualified together. How about I pray? Our Father God, we thank you uh, that you have done amazing things. 
that we see people like Peter who were broken, but who were restored by you. And I don't know what people feel. I don't know how they feel like they have let you down, but I pray that you will help them to know that you are restoring them, that you love them, that you forgive them, and that you have a job for them to do. They are loved, and they, are, they have worth, and they are vital members of your family. I pray that each of us will see the mission you have before us, and we will step into it knowing that you have given us the Holy Spirit, and that you qualify us for the work that you have put before us. I pray that each of us will know the joy that it is to serve you in the mission of changing this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope that was helpful for you. If you want to get your hands on a dozen disappointing disciples or check out a free sample, head to tomfrench.com.au forward slash disciples. You can also find my other books, videos and more also at my website. So feel free to check it out and don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it. Till next time, have a good one.